Who's going to break the ice? <laughs> you go first. <laughs> Good morning, Love Chapel Hill. <laughs> we are so glad that you are with us today. and I am excited to get to preach alongside my friend Matt this there morning. There you go. Y'all get both of us today. Look out. <laughs> uh, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah? You're like, this man doesn't even know where he is and what day it is. That's what happens when you didn't preach Easter last that's, week. That's it's, right. You're just catching up. <laughs> no, I got to get it in this week. Uh, last week, we celebrated Easter together, uh, but Easter is more than a day. Easter is actually a season in the church calendar. Yes. Yes, Miss Dorothy. Um, so Easter is a season in the church calendar, and it's the beginning of this new reality that we find ourselves in on the other side of the resurrection of Jesus, this new world, this the, the kingdom of God established, broken in, and uh, at work and moving in the world. And that's the reality that we find ourselves in today. And so the church calendar, churches all across the world, and I appreciate how Anna had prayed for uh, all of the churches around the world that are worshiping Jesus today, um, and to remind ourselves that we are part of, of a much larger story than just ourselves. But so many of the churches around the world today uh, are continuing to celebrate Easter. It's a season known as Easter Tide. And so it begins on Easter Sunday with the resurrection of Jesus and goes all the way to Ascension Sunday, uh, where Jesus uh, ascends back to heaven in triumph to sit at the right hand of the Father, and then on to Pentecost Sunday, where we mark the moment where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the first believers there and the church is born and launched into the world and so Easter Tide is this 50-day uh, celebration 40 days to ascension and then 10 more days to Pentecost and so that's where we find ourselves here together today uh, today we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 which is a classic and this kind of essential Easter tide passage, and uh, we've actually been in this passage recently before. It's how we started our series uh, through the Gospel of Luke. So if you remember back uh, to November, I think it was November 21st was the day that we started this slow walk with Jesus through the Gospel of Luke, and we used this language of on the way, and this recognition that we're on this journey with Jesus and walking with him through this story, and we actually started at the beginning, or started at the end uh, with Luke 24, and used this same passage as the framework, uh, because to, to give us this sense of where we were going to be going together. And so now we find ourselves back at the end and the beginning uh, together again, and we're going to be in this passage. Um, there were parts of this passage and the way that it's speaking to us as a church community today and in the moment that we're in that we did not realize uh, back then when we started this journey together five months ago. Um, and we're going we're gonna to see that become clear today. Um, but over these last couple of months, this passage continues to come back to me personally, uh, continues to shape me personally. And uh, over the last couple of months, this image keeps coming back to me of this old painting uh, depicting the road to Emmaus. 
And uh, I saw this painting when I was a kid. I don't know where I first saw it, but over the years I've seen it from time to time. And uh, this image has come back to me uh, at different stages in my life. I'll remember this uh, oftentimes if we're uh, on a hike together as a family or walking out in the woods on a path and just the way that the, that the path here turns into those trees. Every once in a while, I'll see something that looks kind of familiar to that and it will remind me of this painting, which reminds me of this passage. And uh, that's happened even more frequently over the last couple of months. You see in this passage, it's Jesus walking with the two disciples that we're going to read about today. Uh, Thankfully, this is not uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed European Jesus. All right, I'm grateful for that. Even as a kid, I knew that was way wrong. All right. Jesus is a first century Jewish carpenter in ancient Palestine, not a member of the Queen's Royal Court. Okay. So I recognize that, and you can see the city of Emmaus off in the distance between some of the trees there, as that's the direction that they're headed. I don't know if you can see it as much here, but uh, one thing I've noticed this week, coming back to this, is that there's some kind of like drainage pipe down here. Anybody else see that? See the little brick thing? That's like a brick arch for the water to flow through. I'm like, I know they had that kind of technology then, but like in the middle of the woods? It looks kind of like a driveway, but anyway, that doesn't matter, all right? But I've been coming back to this, and this image has been um, something that's been settling in my heart, and it's brought a lot of peace. And uh, we find ourselves as a church in a similar spot. We're on the road with Jesus. We're on the way with Jesus, and we have so much hope in the reality that he's walking with us and he's revealing things to us, uh, even in moments when we are confused and can't understand completely what is happening and what the future holds. He is with us, walking beside us, walking between us, and leading us as we're on this road together. So let's read the passage together. Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, what same day? Exactly, resurrection day. This is in the wake of the resurrection of Jesus. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. 
They went to the tomb early this morning, but did not find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. And has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Jesus, this is your word. May it be for us today a lamp. A lamp to light our path. God, that this is... This is a season where you are shaping us. You are showing us what it looks like to walk in your ways, to trust in you, to know that we are not in this alone. At every single step of the journey, you are with us. So be with us today. Open our eyes to see. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Two friends out for a walk. Do you have that friend that you take a walk with? How many things in life are made better by just taking a walk with a friend to share the journey, right? There's the the metaphorical journey that we are all sharing in life, right? And we have the opportunity to actually talk about that and share it. And I love the way that that plays out in this church, that people are doing life together, right? These disciples have been doing together, doing life together for three plus years. And there's the literal sense, right? I love to get out and get on a trail um, and have had the opportunity to share a trail with some of you. And if I haven't had the opportunity to share a trail with you yet, let's make that happen, okay? But two friends out for a walk, talking about what had just happened. I think about my life and the journey that I have had the opportunity to share with so many people walking along a path. And for 18 years, had the opportunity to walk along a path with Matt. Not just as co-pastors 
and with a dream of planting a church, but as friends. And there has been a whole lot of life that we have shared. The highest of highs of our kids being born and some of the lowest of lows that either of us could ever imagine. But it's been a shared journey and it continues to be a shared journey. And I'm so grateful for good friends. And I hope that you have that friend that you can walk a path with. And if not, if you don't have that person that you can trust in, then we want to help you find that in this community. That's what this place is for, shared life together. And we look to Jesus to lead the way. And so these disciples, right, they are actually now a little confused about where to go talking about these things that have happened. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up alongside them and says, what what are you talking about? And so in in that moment, as the disciples are sharing this journey, right, that they are departing from Jerusalem, the place where they have just experienced the arrest and the execution of their rabbi. They're leaving this place with uncertainty and not knowing what is next. But then this person comes up and asks, asks that question, what are they talking about? And it stops them in their tracks. It's, they, they are stuck there. And they don't, right, it says they are kept from recognizing this person. I don't think it's because they had their phones out and they were like head down in Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. As they're like walking along the road. No, they're actually talking with each other. Though myself, I've almost bumped into a couple of people on Franklin Street this week, just head down on the phone. Um, I don't think that's it. I love, it's all speculation, right? Like why they didn't recognize Jesus. It just says that they didn't. They were actually kept from recognizing him. Some speculation is that actually Emmaus was west of Jerusalem. And they're walking later in the day. And so maybe the sun is in their eyes as they're on this journey. But for whatever reason, they don't recognize him. And so in that question, they're like, dude, have you been living under a rock? How do you not know? Are you the only person in all of Jerusalem that doesn't know just what just went down? And so they begin to explain it, right? They begin to talk about Jesus to Jesus. (laughs) And I think Jesus has got to be laughing. I mean, as he laughs at us so often, right? He's got a sense of humor, people. He's always, right, looking out for us. And he can say, I've got this, right? But in in this moment, he knows he's going, to be, he's going to be revealed to them in just a bit. But he's going to have a little fun with it first, right? Have you ever asked that question that you know the answer to, but you want to watch somebody else answer the question or at least try to answer the question? So he asked them, what things? What things are you talking about? So they're explaining what has just happened. And in that, you can hear the pain Right? You can hear the pain in their voice coming off of the page. As they begin to describe 
what has happened in the loss of Jesus. Wondering in that moment, right, what were these last three years for? Was it all a waste? All that we thought is just gone. And there's an empty tomb. Remember we talked about last week, the empty tomb without the revelation of Jesus is a place of despair. Their friend is gone and they don't know where he's gone, what has happened, or what to do next. And we can relate in those moments, right? Those places that our hopes, the hopes of our lives are shattered on the rocky shores of reality. Maybe it's the marriage that's fallen apart or the engagement that never became a marriage Maybe it's the cancer that we thought was gone, but it's back. Maybe, maybe it's that job that we thought is finally the break that we needed, only to have it fall apart on the first day. The hopes that are broken that fall apart. These are not just hopes for the disciples, though. Right? They weren't just hoping. There was an expectation of who Jesus was. There was an expectation that the Messiah was going to make all things right. A victorious warrior that was finally going to overthrow the powers of oppression. But instead, he's quietly arrested. Taken to a, a secret trial that was a joke. And he was executed. Their expectations completely shattered in that. It was so far from the plan that they had. It is not what they wanted, certainly not what they expected. And so as they pour out their hearts in the confusion along this road, Jesus is listening. Jesus is listening every step of the way to hear their hearts as they take those steps on down the road together. What Jesus does next to begin to put these pieces together for them as he places himself right at the center of the story. He starts by walking and showing up between them and walking beside them and between them. And now he begins to unpack all of the scriptures, it says. It says, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he spoke to them about how all of the scriptures have been speaking about himself. How beautiful, how amazing to be a part of that Bible study, right? To hear Jesus unpacking that. Uh, but that's exactly what he does. 
He walks them all the way back through the scripture story and shows how he has been at the center of it, that he is not only the author of it, but that he is the protagonist of this story as well. He is the one who is the central character who holds the whole story together. This approach to understanding and interpreting scripture is the driving force in how we engage with scripture here as a church family. Uh, And we are borrowing this directly from Jesus himself. This is how Jesus interpreted the scriptures. And so we want to continue to do that as well. We see him at the center of all of it. And I encourage you always to continue to do that, to continue to see Jesus as the center. This is something that doesn't stop with Jesus. Uh, as we look at the book of Acts unfolding, Peter on the day of Pentecost, when he stands and gives that first sermon at the birth of the church, he does the exact same thing. He tells the story of the Old Testament and all of God's core covenants that he's made with the people, how God has been engaged with humanity since the beginning of humanity, and shows how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of it that the whole story was building to Jesus and finds its completion in Jesus. Later in the book of Acts, Stephen, who becomes the first martyr, does the same thing. When his life is on the line, he tells that same story and points to Jesus as the culmination of it all. And he ends up being stoned and put to death as the first Christian martyr because of that. We see the Apostle Paul do this in the book of Acts, in the speeches that he delivers, and then in the letters that he ends up writing that become the first uh, books written in the New Testament. Um, We see the anonymous author and preacher of the book of Hebrews do this same thing. Uh, We see all of the gospel writers do this, point back to that story that has been building and placing Jesus right at the center and the fulfillment and the one who holds it all together. So that's how we are always engaging with the scriptures. And I encourage you to do that in your own life as well. Keep Jesus at the center. There will be questions that come at you about the Bible as a whole that you may find difficult to answer before throwing it away. Lock yourself in on Jesus. Tie yourself to Jesus and wrestle with those questions through the lens of Jesus. Keep coming back to him. Keep coming back to him. Keep him at the center. Keep him at the core. He is the one that reveals and makes sense of the whole story through his life. I've said this to a few people uh, recently, but um, and I'll probably say this again in the future coming. Um, but over the last couple of years, I think Jesus has saved me again. Um, not as in a new salvation or anything like that, but I think Jesus saved my faith. What we've experienced in the American church as a whole over the last several years and then the last two years intensely is enough to shred people's faith. And many of us in this room have struggled through that and have wrestled through that and we see the gap between what we see in the American church as a whole, in many cases, not, not, not all, but in many cases, and in the person of Jesus, and that gap <clears throat> is so painful. 
But Jesus has saved me again because in the midst of all of that, in us together coming back to the Gospels again and again, rooting ourselves in the life and teachings of Jesus again and again, he has shown me the better, most compelling, even though narrow way. And I find so much hope in him because of that. Keep rooting yourself in Jesus. Everything else is going to disappoint you. He will not. He will not. He won't fail you. Keep rooting yourself in Jesus. Keep him at the center of the story. As a church family, we find ourselves in a time of transition. And we feel very much like these two friends walking on the road who find Jesus with them in the middle of it, walking with them, walking between them, and guiding them along the way. And we're grateful for the way that he's leading us and guiding us. I have sensed very clearly that the time has come for me to step aside at Love Chapel Hill. And it's something that I've been wrestling with. It's something that as I look back really over the last year, there's been a lot of wrestling around this. Even though I could not articulate that, even though I couldn't even put my finger on this is what the thing is that I'm wrestling with. And this sense over the last month and a half to two months of very real clarity that I couldn't get. For months, many of you would ask me, how can I pray for you? And often I would say clarity, pray for clarity. But I've sensed that and I'm so deeply grateful for it. And this sense of clarity and peace and even of assurance that this is what the Lord has for all of us in this next phase. I can hardly believe I'm saying it out loud. But it's clear. And I'm so grateful for the way Jesus has faithfully revealed it, even through all of the wrestling and to bring it to this place of resolution and clarity and assurance. So deeply grateful. A couple of things I want to say about that. We're all going to have a lot of questions and I am here for that process and to process this together. Uh, no question that you have is off the table. You can ask anything about the whole journey and process and what it means and all of that. And I'll be glad to walk together through that. Uh, but a couple of things, questions that will probably immediately come up uh, that I want to answer first. Uh, number one, I want to say that this is not about burnout or exhaustion. I want to also say it could have easily been that. It could have easily been that. But as a church family, you gave our family a respite last summer, a time to step away from the church and have a time of rest. And I am so grateful forever for that. Because as I came back from the respite and then entered into this time of wrestling, I've been able to do that wrestling from a place of health and from a place of rest instead of a place of exhaustion, which is where I was this time last year. 
So I want to say thank you for that. I will be forever grateful to you for that because as I, for the rest of my life, look back on my time as a pastor here at Love Chapel Hill with so much love and gratitude, I'll be able to look at this last season with so much gratitude to you because it didn't end in burnout and exhaustion. Instead, you sent me out in health and peace, and I'm so grateful to you for that. I also want to say this is not about the pandemic. Um, A lot of pastors have stepped down and stepped out of ministry altogether even because of the pandemic, because of what they experienced within their own local churches uh, and the amount of division and bitterness that was present there over issues. Um, And I am so thankful to you that this is not about the pandemic for us. The way that you responded literally from the first day of this, from the first day of the pandemic, you were Philippians 2 people. In that, Paul challenges us to uh, think not only of our own interests, but to look to the interests of others. In humility, consider others even better than yourselves, and you did that. You put the needs of others first, and we have been lockstep together in that. We might not have always agreed about every decision, But you hardly, you didn't let me know if you didn't. And uh, I appreciate that. So I'm really grateful that this is not about that. Um, And I have friends that have gone through that experience. And I'm so grateful that I'll always be able to look back and see the way that as a church family, you responded to not just that moment, but the way that you stayed consistent with that all the way through. So thank you for that. The, the last thing I'll say here is um, that what I'll be doing next is I will still be fully engaged in ministry. Uh, I'm still going to be a pastor, but, but not at a different church or anything like that. Um, over the past five years, Justin and I together have worked with new churches that are getting started. And we poured into church planters uh, and people that are starting new churches. And I'm going to continue in that work and I'm going to lean into that work and give my focus and energy uh, to that. And so I'll still be fully engaged in kingdom ministry um, and serving in that kind of role. As a local church, Love Chapel Hill has been a leader in that. Every church planter that we have worked with has come through you, and you have supported them and encouraged them. And I want to continue to see uh, that partnership uh, going forward. So that's where we are. And I'm so grateful that Jesus is with us and that Jesus, in his presence, And through himself, the lens of who he is, he is going to make sense of all of this as we keep walking down this road. And he's going to keep leading us. And we can completely trust him in that. As I look back over this process for me, I can see once again that he has proven himself to be faithful and worthy of our trust. Has God ever asked you to do something that was going to be the biggest step of faith that you have ever taken? This seems so utterly ridiculous. It has got to be from him and that there's no way that you can do it without him. Maybe that's something that you've, you've wrestled with in the past 
Or maybe that's something that you're wrestling with even right now. A way to serve him and his kingdom. Y'all, what we are getting to witness right now, as Matt just shared with us, is a healthy step of faithful obedience. It was a step of faithful obedience to start Love Chapel Hill. And just as you have shared, even in the past week, the reminder that somebody could easily look at you or look at me as the co-pastors, as founders of this church. But we made it clear from the beginning and even still today that Jesus is the founder of this church. And we look to him. We will follow him. And Matt is leading us in that example again. As this unfolds, as this clarity has come, it is Jesus revealing himself. None of us would be in this room had you not taken that step of faithful obedience. But even even before taking that step, dreaming the dream, y'all from high school, I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was, but for over half of Matt's life, this place, you have been a dream, a vision that the Lord gave him as he grew up in this town. And that dream is going to live on because of the people that you have invested in and poured in, and that you have shown the ways of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so this is going to be a season, right? This is going to be a season of processing together. This is transition. This is change. And we all take those things at different paces. Some of us like it. Some of us despise it. And so as we take these steps forward, it's going to be together. Yeah. Oh, can we just pause for a moment and celebrate Matt and all that he has poured in? That's right. That's right. And it's not just Matt, it's Sarah and Sam and Luke that have, let's give them a hand, y'all. Yeah, a faithful step of obedience. And it is going to be a range of emotions. I've experienced the range of emotions and so together we're going to we're going to be able to share that. Um when I just say to those of you who have been with us for a while. No. First let me say to those of you who are new with us who have found us on your first Sunday at Love Chapel Hill or maybe the first couple of 
I mean, welcome. <laughs> we love you and we welcome you into this place and we acknowledge the awkwardness that you have just stepped into, like a family meeting of not your family, right? Um, <laughs> so we hope that you'll come back and journey with us as we go forward. Um, and yeah, welcome to, to all of you. But for those of you who have been with us for a while, you may know or you may not know. Part of this church from the beginning was knowing that we wanted to do this as a team. And so in order to do it as a team, we knew that it would require that we work other jobs in the community. And so there's a, a word that is um, big for that, bivocational or co-vocational, which means, right, there's more than one thing going on there. I think in the Latin, Andrew, help me out. Um, <laughs> uh, so all of us, all of the staff at Love Chapel Hill have had multiple jobs over the last 13, 14 years. Um, and so it, is, it has been what has carried us through this season. But as we, in this time of pandemic, we have brought together a core team at Love Chapel Hill. There's an invitation for folks to be a part of that. Over 30 folks have been walking with us for the past year and a half. With this purpose to really think about the next 10 years of Love Chapel Hill. That what, what is the future? What might that look like? If we could dream and we could think about starting over. We're not starting over, but... If we were to, who would those people be to help us carry that forward, and what would it look like? And so out of that, there are two key things that really have emerged. One of them is pastoral health and sustainability. For our staff to be able to be at a place, right, where they, where we can give Love Chapel Hill our focus to carry on these next 10 years. The other thing that has emerged is what does it look like to have a more permanent 24-7 kind of presence in the downtown of Chapel Hill? And so those are two things that over the last year and a half that have just emerged within this core team and have continued to be this drive and looking at how we live out the mission to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. And so we get to do that together. Before this clarity came for Matt, um, I too have been wrestling with a calling and what is next for me through a journey of um, discovering who I am in the Lord, who he made me to be, the way that he has gifted and, and given me strengths to serve in a community, to bring people together, to connect, and to look what, to see what it looks like to tangibly express the heart of Jesus. And so as I have been wrestling and also sensing this time for a change, that change has been from my other job. <laughs> my other job where I've served for 10 and a half years as the vice president and chief of staff for our local chamber of commerce. And so this past week was my last day there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so God, over the past really six months, yo, I gave the chamber like six months notice. That's, I mean, right? Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but you should know that something's going to happen. <laughs> Something is going to change. And so I want you to be prepared for that. And they have been amazing to walk with me in that. It has been a gift and a provision. Um, and so that wrestling has been the calling to be the lead pastor of Love Chapel Hill and to take that step into full-time ministry where I can focus my life, focus my heart and my mind on what Jesus has called me to do for a long time. So thank you. And bigger than saying yes to that calling was the question that I kept getting from the Lord is, do you trust me? And for me to be at a place where I can say yes to that, y'all, it has been a journey. And I wouldn't be here without this guy. And I wouldn't be here without so many of you that have walked that road with me. So together, we are going to look forward to what it looks like to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. He is our vision and we are going to show this community what it looks like to love with his heart. It was 14 years ago on Easter Sunday that we felt the final confirmation to say yes to come plant a church in Chapel Hill. Um, and uh, the first person that Sarah and I asked to come join us was this guy right here. We were in seminary at the time. We were next door neighbors. We had shared a duplex, lived in the same duplex. We shared a wall. And the friendship had grown and it became really clear I want to work with this guy. And, um, so Justin and I stood in the lobby of the chapel there at the seminary, and I said, Justin, will you go jump off a cliff with me? Will you be the executive pastor of a church that doesn't exist with no people and no money? And he said, yes. <laughs> and uh, I will be forever grateful for Justin, showing me what true friendship looks like. And... Um, Justin is the real thing. Justin is the real thing. I could not be more confident about the future of Love Chapel Hill with Justin Simmons stepping into the lead pastor role. This person who we've co-pastored together and has been the backbone of this church and heart and soul of this church over and over and over again. And such a key part of the vision and heart of who we are. And I could not be more confident about him stepping into that role with such a strong core of leaders around him. And as I've said to him and to others, the golden age of Love Chapel Hill is about to begin right now. <laughs> so, Justin, thank you for your faithfulness and your leadership and your discipleship and for following Jesus. You are such a beautiful picture of what the heart of Jesus looks like. You embody it. That's the real thing. Yeah. Let's give it up for Justin one more time. <laughs>
Y'all remember that picture of Roy from the tournament where he was up in the crowd doing this? That's me to Justin. All right, I'm going to be doing that. As this passage close out, closes out here, Jesus reveals himself finally to these disciples. And how does he do that? It's by breaking bread around the table. It says that once they come into their house, they invite Jesus in in this sign of radical hospitality to this stranger, inviting Jesus to their table, not even knowing who he was. Jesus took the bread that was on the table and he broke it. And it says, suddenly their eyes were opened. And they said, did our hearts not burn within us as he walked with us along the road? And it's in that breaking of bread that Jesus reveals himself. And there are all kinds of thoughts about how that happened and why it was the breaking of bread that made them realize who he was. Some of that says because of the communion meal that Jesus had just shared with his disciples a few days before, and it took them back to that moment. But we don't know that these two were among the disciples who were in that room and around that table. Others think maybe it was the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 of Jesus breaking the bread and giving thanks. And when he does it again in this room, they recognize him because of that. But we don't know that that was the reason either. As likely a reason as any is because they had shared the table with Jesus so many times and with so many people that Jesus was constantly inviting to his table and sharing a table with. But it was so natural that when Jesus breaks the bread, that that's what it was because they had been at a table with Jesus over and over and over again. And it was that experience and relationship with him that revealed himself to them. We're about to enter into that moment and come around the table with Jesus again, just like we have done so many times before as a church family. And as he breaks the bread and pours himself out for us, we know that he'll continue to reveal himself to us, continue to be our guide, continue to show up and walk with us and walk among us and walk between us and walk beside us as he leads us on the way. And over and over again, we'll look back and say, didn't our hearts Didn't our hearts burn? And wasn't it so clear that his presence was with us? Amen. Invites each of us to come around that table with him. Just as Matt said, he is continuing to reveal himself. It is in the breaking of bread for us today that we remember his body was broken on that cross. It was broken for you and for me. And so he invites us to the table to share in that memory. And the cup, the cup poured out for the forgiveness of sin for you and for me. That he is revealing himself even through this meal today. 
whether you are coming to the table for the first time, you are invited that this be a means of grace to experience his goodness in your life. If you're coming to the table again for the 10th time, for the 100th time, he wants to reveal to you again what he has done, but also that there is a deeper journey. That he may be calling you to more, even in this moment. He is revealing himself to you that you may have your eyes opened to see that he is with you. And whatever that step he may be calling you to, he will take it with you. Matt and I have the privilege to get to serve you today. And so we are going to meet you at the table to partake in this meal together. After the service today, we are going to be, Matt and I will be down front just to, to meet and to talk with you. And so we would love to have that time. If you want to, if you have questions or you want to just, just hug, <laughs> that's okay too. We will meet you down front after the service. So the table is prepared. We invite you to come. Meet us as we all meet Jesus there together.